Merry Christmas. Oh, we sound like a bunch of drunks, don't we? I'm glad you're here. I thank God for you. I love you. I think you're awesome. Those of you who are with us online, I thank God for you. I love you. I think you're awesome. Central Christian is one big church family in four locations, two languages, and hundreds of living rooms, and we're glad you're uh, with us. If you're here for the first time, if God has brought you for the first time to be with us, man, we are delighted. And maybe the most important thing that I can tell you about Central Christian is that we are a church all about Jesus. So we're all about his compassion. And when you're all about compassion, let me show you, when you're all about Jesus, you're all about making a difference for people in crises. People who are hurting, people who are weak that need our strength, people who are discouraged that need our comfort and encouragement. And um, you guys are amazing when it comes to showing compassion. I mean, a few weeks ago, you brought sleeping bags, blankets, and socks to meet the needs of the homeless in our immediate area. Two weeks ago, you brought winter gear for children who didn't have coats, hats, gloves. They got coats, hats, and gloves now because of you, kids in our own community. And last week, you brought tons of groceries. There are people who live in food crises every week. They come here every Wednesday. We load them up with four days' worth of groceries because you reach out and make a difference for people in crisis. I thank God for you. And this is the greatest weekend of compassion the entire year at Central, every year at Christmas. We pull on all the stops to show compassion for kids in crises. This year, it's a new playground because our present playground does not accommodate kids with special needs, disabilities, or kids confined to wheelchairs. And we think that's wrong. It's a big project. Massive excavation needs to take place pouring a new surface, new playground equipment. We believe that when Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, he meant all children of all abilities. And so new playground equipment. It's a huge project, $150,000. But this is a church with people with huge hearts for kids in crises. In fact, one person has already committed to make a $75,000 matching gift to match every gift you and I make to reach our goal, to reach God's goal, because this is the heart of God for kids in crises. I'd like for us to pray about it right now, if you'd bow with me, please. Father God, you are an amazing king. You are a lavishly generous God. I mean, you gave us your one and only son, but you also have already given to us what you want to give through us for this big project. To have a playground that all kinds of kids, all kinds of abilities can come and play. No one gets shut out. No one gets left out. No one gets left behind. We thank you that you've given our church this opportunity because we're going to come because you helped us in our crisis. We're going to help others in theirs in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here's today's truth. This is what I want you to get tattooed on your left thigh this week. Here we go. Today's truth. When you make a difference for others in their crises, God makes a difference for you in your crisis. Now, this is huge for all of us right now because we're all living in crisis. We're all enduring a crisis. For the last nine months, nine months ago, 
The World Health Organization deemed COVID-19 a health crisis, called it a global pandemic. It was a health crisis, but it quickly became an economic crisis as businesses shut down large and small, which created an unemployment crisis and a very personal financial crisis for many. It's become uh, morphed into a medical crisis as our hospitals fill to capacity. It's a very painful crisis for families because such pressure is on homes and some homes were already really, really struggling. And now the relationships are falling apart. It's a mental health crisis. It's, it's become an emotional well-being crisis. Uh, it's become an addiction crisis for those who are already struggling. It's a spiritual crisis. I mean, you have come closer to God through this, either online or in this room. But others, many, many others have drifted far from God through this crisis. Um, so what do you do? When it feels like you're being buried by an avalanche of crises, here's the deal. You dig your way out of crisis by helping others in their crisis. This is why this is so huge for us as a church, because as we help children with disabilities with the new playground, God helps us. As we encourage them and come alongside them with comfort, God encourages us and comes alongside us with comfort. As we make a place for them, God makes a place for us. As we help them, God helps us. As we love them, God loves us. And I've spent the last month casting a vision for this new unlimited playground. But I haven't mentioned yet what another significant portion of our love offering this weekend, the difference it will make in our world. And I should have. I've waited now. It is equally significant to the heart of God as kids in crisis because it's a focus on the forgotten. The forgotten is what people are called in Haiti who are elderly. No Social Security, no Medicare, Medicaid, no income. They're just barely surviving. Their families, hey, you're dying, you're old, you're dying. Why should we give you some food? Why should we help you with shelter and clothing? Very first time I was in Haiti, and we were out in the village ministering to uh, hurting people. And we came upon a little cluster of huts. Uh, kids were running and playing, laughing. Uh, women were bent down over charcoal, fires cooking outside. Men were playing dominoes. But one hut caught my attention. The door of the hut was barred with tree limbs. Um, I don't know when this picture was taken, but there was an elderly lady living in the hut, barricaded in by her family. They didn't want her to leave. They didn't want to watch her. They didn't want to take care of her. They didn't want to address her needs. The day that we were there, that I was there, as we removed the tree limbs from the door, it smelled like we were walking into an outhouse. And here's why. Inside that mud hut was one cot and a chair. The chair had the bottom cut out of it. And underneath it was a pot to serve as a toilet. Somehow this lady had gotten off of the cot onto the chair, but the chair evidently had toppled over, spilled the contents of the pot, and she didn't have the strength to get back on the cot, and she just kind of sprawled there uh, in her own filth. When I saw her condition, I mean, I just broke into tears. 
And I walked over to her and I laid my hand on her back and I began to call down the goodness of God on this woman. And I began to pray over her that God would favor her. And as I prayed, others cleaned her and cleaned up the mess. And, and when I said amen, she came up on her knees, raised her hands in the air, and began to sing, May see Jay-Z, may see Jay-Z. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hugged her and helped her back into the cot and loved on her a bit. And as we left, she still laying down, had her hands up in the air. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, huge chunk of our love offering. It's going to our orphanage in Haiti. This is my House of Grace hoodie. But the village that our orphanage is in has a whole bunch of the forgotten. But they are not forgotten by God, and he has put it on our hearts to remember them with kindness and food and ongoing care. I mean, we'll continue to serve our orphans there, dozens of them, keep them in school, have them fed every day, clothed, sheltered, and learning about Jesus. But in addition to our orphan care, we're going to do forgotten care, and not just a one-and-done meal. We're going to serve them all year long, feed them all year long, make sure all their needs are cared for all year long, and set them free all year long so that all of them are shouting out, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, thank you, Jesus, for Central Christian Church. Um, hey, have I ever told you the story of the day that Mary and Joseph, the mother and earthly father of Jesus, brought their love offering uh, to the Lord, in my imagination, this is like one month after the birth of Jesus. And I see them walking from Bethlehem, where they live now, uh, to Jerusalem, and it's kind of a hilly path and a bit of a walk. And I see Mary cradling uh, the baby Jesus in her arms. Joseph um, lovingly has his arm around her waist, and they are walking to the house of God. Here, let me show you a picture. This was called Herod's Temple in that day. I mean, it was huge. It would hold 15,000 people and they were bringing a love offering to God's house for the gift of their son. They were going to do what we call baby dedication and they were bringing a love offering to thank God for this baby boy that he had given them. Now, they knew what they were going to do. They knew where they were going, but they had no idea what God was going to do. Because at the very same time, in the very same city, was an old, old man named Simeon. And he had lived. I mean, I've heard some people say, I can't wait till this COVID crisis is over. Think a second about that statement. Because what about disabled children? What about children confined to wheelchairs? Their crisis is their entire life. Well, Simeon, he was living in a crisis that had lasted 65 years, nearly seven decades. And the crisis was that Israel was being crushed by the Roman government. The empire had taken over their country. I mean, they were taxed into poverty. Roman soldiers were on the street. I mean, we just beat people senseless, would arrest them without cause, and crosses lined the roads for people were crucified by the Roman soldiers. 
65 years of crises, one of the worst kinds of crises, that house of God, the picture I showed you, it had become a place of politics more than prayer. In fact, in the ministry of Jesus, he cleaned house on the house of God twice, just trying to cleanse it of the politics. That's what Simeon, the crises he was living under every day for decades. But in all that time, he anchored his soul to the promises of God. Now, one of the things happen when you are all about believing and receiving God's promises, he makes personal promises to you. I mean, personal promises. You, get, you claim his promises for your finances or your marriage or your parenting or your health or your emotional well-being. You see it in his word, you believe it and you claim it for his, your life and he makes you personal promises. Promises very personal to you. And this is the promise he made to Simeon. He said to Simeon, you will see with your own eyes before you die, you will see the savior who has come because those were the promises that Simeon was claiming that God was gonna send a Christ, that God was gonna send a king, that God was gonna send a savior who would set everything right in this broken world. This is one of those promises. The time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The time of COVID will not go on forever. For those who live in a land of darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born for us and a son given for us. He'll take over the running of the world. This is an example of the promises of God that Simeon was claiming. Now I tell you, when you invest yourself in God's promises, God invests his power in you for breakthrough, to remove you from your crisis, to remove the crisis from your life. Now Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, they walk into the temple anticipating a good experience with God. They're bringing their love offering. They're grateful for their son. They're going to dedicate Jesus to the Lord. But at the very same time, what they didn't know when they stepped into the temple, this wild-eyed old guy with his beard blowing in the breeze was going to chase him down because Simeon, over his soul, the Holy Spirit had whispered, you see that young couple with the baby? The baby is the one. The baby is the Messiah. The baby is the Christ, and he's come to save us. Well, holy smokes. Simeon can't keep himself away from Mary and Joseph. He runs up to them and grabs baby Jesus out of her arms. We're not told in the Bible about Mary's reaction. But here's what we're told about Simeon. The Holy Spirit was on Simeon. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Led by the Holy Spirit, Simeon entered the temple at the, as the parents of the child Jesus as the parents of the child, Jesus brought him in. I wanted you to catch the three times, the triple emphasis of the Holy Spirit in this moment. This is huge for you. I mean, the number three in the Bible is an incredibly significant number. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Three times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. The Holy Spirit is on Simeon, the Holy Spirit speaks to Simeon. The Holy Spirit leads Simeon. You see, when you, 
When you anchor your life to the promises of God, this is how I'm going to handle my finances. This is going to how I'm going to handle my marriage. This is going to how I'm going to do my parenting. I'm going to do it on the basis of God's promises. What That just frees up the spirit of the living God to work more fully in all aspects of your life. Well, Simeon, he gets that little baby, month-old baby boy in his, his hands and he lifts him up. And he begins to sing. He bursts out in song. And this is the song that Simeon sings. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign means large and in charge. God, you are in charge of everything. Sovereign Lord, I am your loving servant. And now I can die content. Your promise to me has been fulfilled. I've been praying all week that I would be able to die content today. And God would promise me that the bears would beat the Vikings. So, so far, I'm getting nothing from God on that one. Here, here's the deal. 65 years in crises, I mean terrible crises, brutal crises, spiritual crises, governmental crises, and Simeon anchors himself to the promises of God and begins to sing, and it's like, God, you have not forgotten me. I am not one of the forgotten. You have remembered me. You have remembered your people. You have remembered your promise. He's holding that baby Jesus up and saying, this is a Jesus for the forgotten. And there may be times when you feel like God has forgotten you, that Jesus walks right by you and heals somebody and leaves you sick, that Jesus walks right by your financial struggles and blesses somebody else financially. Oh, I've not been forgotten. You've not been forgotten. You, God has you etched, your image etched on the palm of his hands. Your name is burned in his heart. He thinks about you all the time. He remembers you, and when he remembers you, he takes positive, good action in your behalf. Well, the song continues. With my own eyes, I have seen the Savior you sent into the world. This Jesus is a Jesus for those who know they are lost and in need of a Savior. Lost in their sin. I mean, lost in the deep weeds as a parent and not even got a clue. Lost in uncertainty about the future. I mean, Jesus came to save us from our sin. When he died on the cross, he took our place. He was our substitute. He took the punishment we deserved. He bore the consequence of our sin, the penalty of our sin. He was made to be our sin, and we were made to be the righteousness of God. He was forsaken by God so we could be accepted by God. That's the kind of Savior we got. But he doesn't just stop with forgiving of sin and cleansing of guilt and shame. He saves us in our marriage. He saves us in our parenting. He saves us in our health. He saves us in in our emotional well-being. This is a Savior who saves those who admit they're lost and need him. <laughs> Simeon's song goes on. Your mighty power is the light to all people groups, all people groups, and will bring grace, grace to your people. Nothing more important in my life than the grace of God because I'm not a good person. Never good enough. 
God is perfect. He lives in a perfect heaven and only perfect people get to go there. So I don't measure up. I am inadequate. I am insufficient, but the grace of God has saved David. The grace of God has prevailed for you. The grace of God is available still for those who know they need God's grace. God's grace, God's grace, that's good gifts God gives you that you don't deserve. There's nothing you can do to earn the grace of God. It's a free gift. And when you acknowledge your need, he graces your marriage, he graces your parenting, he graces your your finances, he graces your emotions with joy, he graces your thoughts so that you begin to function in the mind of Christ and can take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. He, 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 He graces your thoughts so you can keep your thoughts on things above. Jesus is grace for those who know they need his grace. Um, in fact, the apostle Paul wrote it this way to the church in Corinth. For you have experienced the extravagant grace of the Lord. We need his extravagant grace because we sin extravagantly. And for those who sin and abounds, his grace super abounds. For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich in glory in heaven, infinitely majestic, infinitely splendorous in heaven, he impoverished himself for our sake so that by his poverty, you know, when he died on the cross, they stripped him naked, gambled over his shreds of clothing, He was impoverished for our sake, and by his poverty, we could become rich beyond measure in all the things that money cannot buy. And so that was the song. This is a Jesus for the forgotten. This is a Jesus for those who know their life. This is a Jesus for those who need grace. And then there's this pregnant moment of silence. The song is over. And Simeon puts the the babe back into the arms of Mary. And I I don't know what they anticipated. They come to bring a love offering to the Lord. And look what happens. They get blessed. Simeon blessed them. Last time I was in Israel, I saw this happen between a father and a son. Not far from me as I was at the western wall of the temple, a father lays his hands on the shoulders of his son, looks his son in the eye, and begins to speak the goodness of God and the blessing of God on his son. That's what Simeon does. After he gives Jesus back to Mary, he puts one hand, one frail, aged hand, on Mary's shoulder and one frail, aged hand on Joseph's shoulder. He looks Mary in the eye. And he blesses them, oh my gosh, he blesses them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater blessing you can give your children beyond the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no better blessing you can speak over your marriage or your finances or your emotions than the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Here we go, in a nutshell. The gospel, Jesus died for our sins, for our sins, in our place, as our substitute, Because he was fully physically dead, he was buried and rose from the dead on the third day. That's the gospel. Let me share with you how Simeon spoke the blessing of the gospel on Mary and Joseph. I mean, how do you bless the mother and the earthly father of the Lord Jesus Christ? He blesses them with the gospel. Here we go. He said, 
He's looking Mary in the eye. He says, a painful sword will one day pierce your inner being for your child will be rejected by many. This was a prophecy of the day when Mary would stand at the foot of the cross. Joseph wouldn't be with her. He would have passed away years earlier. She's a widow. And her son is being executed, has been brutally beaten. His face is beaten beyond recognition. His his back has been turned into hamburger by uh, 39 lashes. His beard has forcibly been pulled out by the roots. Nails piercing his wrist. Ankles spiking to the cross. And finally, the last act of execution. A Roman soldier takes a broadsword and shoves it up under the ribcage of Jesus and through his heart. And out, as he pulls out the sword, out comes water and blood. And Mary was there to witness it all. That was the rejection and the crucifixion of Jesus as her son, the Lord Jesus, died for her sins and my sins and your sins in our place on the cross. That's the first part of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Here's the second He says, this is the destiny of your child. The destiny of your child is this. He will be laid down. Because Jesus was fully physically dead with the extrication of that sword from his heart, his limp, lifeless body was removed from the cross and laid down in a stone-sealed tomb. And here's the third part of the gospel. Christ risen from the dead. This will be a miraculous sign. It will be for the destruction of many because if people don't believe that Jesus is God who died for our sins and whom God raised from the dead, they will be destroyed and destroyed forever. A miraculous sign for the destruction of many and the resurrection of many. Those who believe that Jesus is God and died for our sins and God raised him from the dead, they will not perish but have everlasting life. But more than that, it's not about heaven someday. It's about the superabundant life of Jesus right now, today, when we surrender to him. Here's how I like to translate John, excuse me, Romans 1.16 from the Greek. I translate it this way. I am fully confident of the gospel. Christ crucified for our sins and risen from the dead. Why? For it is a supernatural power of God that changes things, that can change a marriage, that can change a financial situation, that can change my, my, my emotions from despair to joy, from, from, from loss to hope. The supernatural power of God. So every night when Deb and I take communion, We pray the gospel, the supernatural power of God to change things for our children, our grandchildren, our church, for our marriage, our finances. The gospel is the supernatural power of God that changes things. So every night we surrender to the power of the gospel, Christ crucified for our sins and risen from the dead. And those who surrender, can I have that back? I don't even need it. It brings out God's best version of those who surrender to it. So we pray that over our children. We pray that over you, our church. That all who surrender to the gospel, God brings out his best version of us. You see, it's the gospel. It's the gospel wherever you need breakthrough in your crisis so that you can help others and make a difference for others in crisis. 
The gospel, it's the gospel that creates breakthrough in our crisis as we make a difference for others in their crisis. I was, I was, I was found it important that I say as we make a difference. It's as we are making a difference for others in their crisis that God does breakthrough in us and for us and through us in our crisis. Let's talk to him right now. Would you bow with me, please? Our Father and our God, you are faithful beyond measure. And we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your gospel. And together, as a church, we surrender to your gospel. Christ crucified for our sins and risen from the dead. For it is the supernatural power of God to change anything in this world, to change anything in our lives, and to bring about, as we surrender to your gospel, to bring about your best version of us, of our families, of our church. We praise you, Lord, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.